We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2021, how to win at DraftKings MLB. When I say how to win, how to be better at it, so you know what you're doing at least. Here are the tips, the tricks, the tools, everything that you need to get yourself ready to at least have a better chance of winning on DraftKings. If I say how to win, it's better for the SEO, so we're all good to go. But I want to tell the viewers and the listeners out there, hey, this is what the real skinny is. We're going to talk through each of the facets of the game. How do you pick the proper tournament for the bankroll that you have in? Are there different types of tournaments that are better for your level of play? How many entries do you want to do? What stats should you be researching? How do you stack and correlate your lineups to give yourself the most opportunity for upside in GPP tournament play on DraftKings? Plus, we're going to walk through the FTN Optimizer to show you how easy it is to do your research and build a lot of these lineups all at once, and you can find that over at ftndaily.com right now. If you use the code MAYO, it's a season-long package, which includes the optimizer, which is crazy value. Probably the best value you'll find at any site that's out there. So it's all the content, everything like that, plus the tools, the optimizer. It's $249.99 for the year. You use code MAYO, you get 20% off. It's $199.99 for the season of baseball. Pretty good. Not much per month, especially when you include the fact that it has the optimizer in it. Kyle Murray will be on the show to tell you how to use the optimizer as well. If it's something that you look at and you're like, this is pretty overwhelming. I'm not going to lie to you. Turns out it's not. It's super easy to use. Kyle will do a walkthrough with us as well. Also, if you hit the description of this video right now, you will find a link to the new Mayo Media Newsletter. If you subscribe, put in your email. It takes like three seconds to the Mayo Media Newsletter. You're in a draw for 100 bucks. Also, smash the like button for the episode. Subscribe to Mayo Media Network right now. I'll wait. Thank you very much. And in the comment section, give me your best tip to tell people for DraftKings MLB for the upcoming season. Also, I should note that 20% discount with code Mayo is good till April 4th. Anytime after that, I think it's 10% off anytime that you use code Mayo over at ftndaily.com. Enough of the promos. Let's jump into this right now. Joining me on the line, tournament specialist, he of six-figure caches, David Jones. What's happening? Hey, what's going on, Pat? I'm uh, I'm pumped up for MLB. We're going to get a full season this year. Even the fans are going to be back in the stadium starting at 33% capacity. Uh, I'm ready, man. Uh, baseball is a uh, high-variant sport, and over at FTN Daily, we have a lot of tools to help you get into the green. Cheat sheets, optimizer, batted ball reports, stack targets, hot hitter report, umpire reports, 
all sorts of stats, and now the optimizer, which is the best tool uh, I think that we have on the MLB site. So excited to be here, man. So you get all of that along with the plays of the day and breakdowns of each of the slates. Uh, once again, ftndaily.com, code Mayo to get yourself that 20% discount. Also, I should have mentioned this, launching on Mayo Media Network, the show is already up, but going daily from Monday through Saturday, taking Sundays off, a lot of early games there. We're not even going to touch those ones. But fantasy baseball picks and bets on Mayo Media Network. You can watch that on the YouTube channel or subscribe to the audio podcast for it right now. You can find that in the description of this video and or podcast. You go from the PME over to fantasy baseball picks and bets. Leave a five-star review while you're up there as well. David Jones will be hosting one of those days, won't you, David? I will be there on Thursdays. That's my day. Uh, Thursday's a good day for baseball, too. Not too big, not too small, just right. Are, are you Thursday? So the, the plan is uh, like your Thursday night into Friday slate, right? Uh, if that's uh, if that's what you want. Yeah, I think I record it Thursday and uh, it's for the Friday slate. Yes. Yeah. So we'll, re- we'll be recording all of the shows uh, later in the evenings on each of the days. So they're available around midnight uh, the night before the slate to give you a maximum amount of time. You wake up in the morning. Boom. They're going to be super quick, like 15 minutes long uh, to get you ready for the slate of both DraftKings and for bets for the day. Just everything that you need to know who got hurt the night before. Uh, just an info dump for you to get you set. Then you can go over to ftndaily.com to get the full slate of picks once lineups are released after the fact. So please support the show. Go subscribe to that now. Uh, He's been waiting in the dark here, just running the numbers on his optimizer. Kyle Murray, the man from ftndaily.com. What's up, my man? Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. I know uh, David stole a lot of that thunder on the FDN Daily uh, spiel, so I have nothing to say now. David covered it all, but I'm pumped to talk about the Optimizer. We've uh, had a lot of smarter people than me working on this thing. Luckily, I got to chime in a few ideas here and there, and I'm really happy with the product. And uh, It's version one, so we're going to keep improving on it, keep improving on it, and we're really pumped to roll this thing out and uh, show it off today. All right, so the big thing that we need to do is where do we start? Like, I always tell myself that I'm going to get into DraftKings baseball every single year. It's like, I don't want to play season-long fantasy baseball anymore. I don't want to be making moves every single day. I want to come in. I want to come out and pick the days that I want to play when I'm feeling it that day, David. So if you're someone like me who's probably not going to play every day, let's say, I'll play like two, three times a week, something like that. Mm -hmm. Is it tough to not play every day and then trying to get back into a rhythm? Or do you think it's okay to take a few days off? Because I know in basketball, it can really screw you over if you're not paying attention like 10 minutes before lock. Like with baseball, it feels like it's at least easier to skate by than basketball without being up to like lineup lock at 659 every single day. Uh, Yeah, with baseball, I mean, you still have to pay attention. It's not as as crazy i don't think as nba you can really get some uh some spot sits in nba you pretty much know who's going to be in the starting lineup for baseball besides like the end of the order guys who you're not typically like using a ton anyways um so i think it's easier than nba as far as like actually making a lineup but it's a higher variant sport than nba because we're talking about baseball here i mean the guy can strike out four times or he can hit two home runs and it's a very hard thing to predict you have to know who's on the mound what kind of balls they throw how the hitter hits those pitches if he's in a good park, how the weather is that day. There's a lot of things that go into selecting uh, your pitchers and your hitters. Uh, so we take care of a lot of that over at FTN. But uh, I mean, we're in this, we're in our Discord channel and we can talk with you, talk you through it, teach you how to do it yourself. Because honestly, it's a lot more fun when you learn to do it yourself. But if you just want to get in, get the picks, we've got that for you too. So Kyle, like I'm just, I jump onto the DraftKings main page. I select a tournament. We'll go over tournament selection here in a second. Like when I'm building my lineup, do I start with pitchers first? Do I start with my stacks first? Do I try to correlate a game altogether? Obviously I probably wouldn't want hitters going against my pitchers, but what's the best place to start? Do you think? I think a lot of times it depends on the kind of slate you're looking at. Um, obviously, for this opening day slate, we're going to have a lot of the team's top starters on the mound. So you're going to have a lot of expensive pitchers. So typically, I find myself starting with the pitchers uh, because a lot of times a good chunk of your points are going to come from your pitchers, especially on DraftKings where you get to roster two of them. So I like to start the pitchers. I kind of know after I'm done selecting those pitchers, I, I'll know what kind of salary I'm working with, with the bats and with the stack. So kind of 
helps me out in terms of just knowing what to do with my salary when you start with the pitchers. Uh, and, and again, starting at the top, typically the more expensive pitchers are going to be on that opening day slate, but also throughout the entire season, you're going to see the more expensive players be those pitchers. So in terms of allocating your salary, starting with the pitchers makes more sense for me. David, is there any way that you like to start or is it all slate dependent? Uh, what Kyle said makes a lot of sense because if you're pitch, if you play two pitchers on DraftKings, if one of those pitchers fails, then you're going to be in a lot of trouble unless that pitcher is extremely cheap. So what you're looking for with your pitchers is a lot of strikeouts and e even more importantly to me, the quality start. You want to get through your first five innings, get to six innings. The longer that you're in for a pitcher, the more stats that they can rack up. You just don't want them to give up a bomb towards the end of their stint in their, you know, when they're starting pitching. So starting with pitchers is great. You look for value. There's typically a lot of value on baseball slates, uh, and we'll talk about how to uh, to pick those hitters next. All right, so Kyle, let's jump back to you here. When you're selecting your pitchers, and we'll just start with pitchers right off the hop. You say, you know, opening day, there's going to be a ton of expensive pitchers. Let's just call it a regular run-of-the-mill Tuesday night uh, in MLB. You have a few studs that are on the mound, a few duds, at least in terms of salary. When you're trying to do that, do you, I guess, would you look for a value pitcher to save money if those options are available? When you look for a value pitcher like that, is it K per nine? Is it swinging strike rate? Like, are there particular stats that you're looking for? I think a lot of times the, the, the really good value pitchers will kind of just jump out to you naturally. Typically, if you have to go finding like reasons to roster a value pitcher, especially a super cheap one on DraftKings, typically you're just looking for that for the sole purpose of finding some salary relief. But for me personally, I focus purely on tournaments for MLB DFS. So I'm looking for upside out of pitchers and upside comes from strikeouts. So I think K per nine is a very good one. Uh, one of my favorite stats to look at is whiff percentage. They'll show how often a batter is swinging and missing at pitches. Typically, it just gives you a, a good indication on how often a pitcher is going to be in an advantageous spot to get strikeouts. So K per nine, K percentage, whiff percentage. Those are my three favorite stats to look at in terms of looking for pitchers who are going to have the most strikeout upside. Obviously, you also want to look at the other side of the coin as well and look at the matchup, look at teams that are striking out uh, versus that specific handedness. So if a pitcher is right-handed, you want to target teams that are striking out more often against right-handed pitchers. So uh, again, I think upside is very important. Even when you look at the value pitchers, you still want to maintain the idea that you're looking for high upside pitchers, guys that can go and get strikeouts. Sometimes you'll find yourself in a spot where you just want a pitcher that's going to get through the five or six innings and just hope that he can, you know, not get eaten alive out there because he's very cheap. But for the most part, you want really high upside guys, and that's going to come from guys who can get strikeouts. Uh, David, do you have anything to add to that, especially pertaining to the cheaper end pitchers? Like I know back when I was playing a lot of MLB, like Dan Straley would always be like the min price. It's like his K per nine is so good that I'd inevitably end up rostering Dan Straley and he would be awful every single time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's awful. Uh, I don't have too much to to add to it, really. Besides, like you, you want to look for little nuanced things too. Like I'm, I'm a big believer in in reading all the reports on these teams, figuring out, especially at the beginning of the season, how long a leash these stud pitchers are going to come out with. Because you could see, like Max Scherzer, you know, he's going to go out and start opening day, but is he stretched out enough? How was his spring? Was his velocity up? How was the spin on the ball? What was he looking like? Are they going to say he's going to pitch? you know, five innings and pull him no matter what, like he's uh, on the Tampa Bay Rays, or are they going to let him go as long as he can go? So you want to keep up with a lot of the beat writer stuff, a lot of the coaching reports. We do that at FTN, but just by looking at these little nuanced things, uh, you can really give yourself an edge on the field. Uh, quick answer, David, on this one. If the slate allows you to pay down for two pitchers that you're comfortable with, is pitching a spot where you would pay down twice? Last year, it worked more than the season before, uh, and we're going to kind of have to wait and see. So two seasons ago, the ball was juice. You're getting a lot more home runs. Last season, I don't think that it was. I don't think we have a certain answer on that, but you could pay down for pitchers more. It also just depends on the spot that day. So every slate's going to be different, a lot like NBA. Uh, you have to look at park factors. You have to look at weather. You have to look at the team they're going against. You have to see which batters they're going against. It's all just very dependent on on the day but typically i would say and kyle i think you would probably agree spending down at one pitcher and spending up for one seems to be seems to work more uh spending down for two pitchers is going to mean that you're stacking what the dodgers and whoever's playing in Coors field and both of those teams have to deliver and both of those teams are going to be very highly owned too so typically that's not something i would do 
Kyle, would you have the same methods of selecting pitchers in terms of paying down uh, if the opportunity presented yourself? Or would you think, like, I need to lock in my one guy and maybe I'll chance it with this other guy? Yeah, I, I think it depends a lot on the slate. Like David mentioned the Dodgers and then a team that's playing in cores. It's funny because on opening day, Dodgers are actually playing in cores. So I, I wrote up our first look article and noticed that. So this could potentially be a spot where you do really want some some salary relief for the pitcher spot just because the Dodgers are going to be a really high-end stack that you're probably going to have a lot of interest in. Um, I would say that locking yourself into a certain mindset of, okay, I, I want to spend down twice at the pitcher I think that would get you in trouble. I think it's important to be flexible based on the slate. So typically I like to have at least one high, high end pitcher, at least one high upside pitcher in that mid range. But um, I also think it's very important to also find good value throughout the pitchers if they're there, but I don't think it's a good idea to kind of walk yourself into trouble by locking yourself into certain rules that could say, okay, I'm going to go play Dan Straley today just because he's cheap. I know he's, He's playing in Korea and now he's no longer an option in the MLB. So that's good for, for Pat. But um, I think it's important to not lock yourself into certain rules, especially in MLB, because like David mentioned, it's so high variance. So many crazy things can happen on, the, on a, any given day. So what you're saying is I need to play Dan Straley in KBO DraftKings and then I'll be fine. Yeah, all you got to do is stay up till 4 a.m. like I was doing during quarantine and play KBO. There you go. Well, let's switch to batters. And Kyle, we'll start with you on this. When you're assessing how to either find your stack or maybe some of the periphery pieces that you can have for lineup savings, or if you just want a one-off Mike Trout or some high-end player that you just have a good feeling about that day, but you don't want to include the entire team stack to go along with it. I mean, is that just nonsensical to begin with? Like, if you're going to pay up for a batter, do you want to make sure that you have that stack and then try to find the cheaper pieces elsewhere? Um, I, I think you can look at it in two different ways. One being that is the case where if you're going to have a top end bat, it would make sense to have others around him because he's going to have a big game where he's say driving in four runs and maybe he's hitting two home runs. His teammates are also going to benefit from that. However, sometimes, especially in maybe smaller contests or even cash games, if you play cash for MLB, getting those, you know, lesser variance players, those top end guys, such as Mike Trout, uh, playing those guys one offs works out just fine. And sometimes, You'll find yourself on slate where you maybe like a, a pitcher in the mid range and a value pitcher, and then you you get your stacks done and you say, okay, I have a good amount of leftover. Do I want to play Mike Trout or do I want to just continue stacking and play Angelton Simmons or something or some some lower end batter? Obviously, you're gonna want the upgrade. So um, I think it depends. Again, uh, for me personally, I always prefer to stack as much as possible. Um, when, when creating rules, I think the first one to start off with in stacks is stack as much as you possibly can in baseball because everybody's correlating a uh, solo home run obviously is not going to correlate well, but a lot of times if someone's driving in a run, if they're scoring a run, uh, those are going to correlate with your team. And that's important. Always correlate, always stack. But again, there's going to be plenty of times where one-off type plays are, are strong plays as well. So David, how do you approach it? Like, are you looking at the over-unders from Vegas and being like, Oh geez, this game total is 21 and everything else is eight and a half for the day. Probably want to stack that game. Like, is there any sort of rule of where to start when, trying to predict your pitchers or your hitters. You know, it's, you know, it's funny with, with MLB, like the, the over-unders are all usually pretty close unless it's a game in Coors. And if you don't know, uh, Coors field is the Colorado Rockies field and that the ball just tends to fly there. Um, but usually it's like a 1.5 or if it's a Dodgers versus like the pirates 2.5 spread. And it doesn't really, really change that much. As far as how I'm stacking my hitters, what I typically want to do is find two teams that I like and find a way to stack those two teams. And I will adjust my pitchers a little bit. I will want my hitters close to each other in the same lineup because think about it. If you play the number two hitter and the number seven hitter from the same team, it, you don't even have to do that. You're not one's not benefiting from the other. Uh, I think the only way that would happen, no, they no, those two can't benefit from each other. So you want to stack up, say, three to four players per team. I don't really care if it's cash. Kyle makes a good point about cash. You can do it a little bit smaller. But in GPP, say uh, up to 500 men or women in, in the contest against you, you want to stack. Because say you have a grand slam from Ozunia from the Braves, who's batting fourth. Well, that means that every batter ahead of him had to get on base. So they got on base. They got the points for getting on base, whether it was a hit or a walk. And then Ozunia gets the grand slam. He gets all the uh, RBIs hit in, all those runners get a run, and you get, what, uh, 40 points just from that one hit. As opposed to if you don't do that, if you just play Ozunia, you get the 
the grand slam, but you don't get the points ahead of him from the runners on base. And then everyone else who played the Braves and stacked the Braves did. So even though you get the grand slam, you miss out on the other three players. And a lot of people stack in baseball. They all got the point. So you're automatically behind. So Kyle, as it pertains to stacks, are you looking for like two, three, four in the order, the value that presents itself potentially? Um, or like if you're, let's say you're taking an American league team where the pitcher isn't hitting, is there any value in trying to throw like the ninth hitter into your lineup? Presumably they're probably going to be cheaper. And hopefully after the first inning, once the order gets back around that maybe the number nine hitter or the number eight hitter can still be on base for the number three hitter or number four hitter by the time that they get up. Yeah, I think a lot of the the appeal to doing something like that is the fact that a lot of people when they're stacking is they're going to try to stack one through five, right? The generic, uh, you know, those are the top of the order. A lot of the good hitters present themselves in the top five in the order. So going down in that order a little bit, seven, eight, nine, um, those guys are going to be lower owned. So in tournaments, especially the larger field ones, if you find yourself saying, okay, everyone's playing the Dodgers in cores today, they're going to stack one through five. Maybe I'll stack six, seven, eight, and throw four or five in there as well. There's a lot of ways to get unique within those stacks. And that can be important because, you know, we talked about how baseball is a very high variant sport. Lots of things can happen. You can run Mike Trout out there and he can go over four and it's really not that crazy. Um, and so a lot, a lot of times kind of capturing the, the edge to that variance is by playing lower owned players and stacking guys in that seven, eight, nine or off the wall kind of batting order. Uh, that's a way to kind of capture that leverage. Yeah. Do you have any sort of stacking tricks, David? Uh, the, the one that comes to mind is you asked about guys later in the lineup. I mean, you can do like a, a seven, eight, nine and a one, two, you know, eight, nine, three, four, something like that, because the lineup's going to wrap around. I mean, the one hitter is going to hit after the nine. You just have to be really sure about one, one thing. One thing that we talked about last year a lot was like a team like the Dodgers halfway through the game depending on what pitcher comes in they change the back of their lineup a lot so you don't want to get stuck in a position where the eight nine hitter is going to get pulled halfway through the game and you're not going to be able to accumulate points for them usually i do like to keep it through the the one through seven hitters but in some cases you can pick off one of the guys at the end of the rotation if he's got a great matchup and uh and try and score that way i do find that it's risky um, to do that and sometimes unnecessary but it can't be done i'll also say too another trick would be playing uh the the uh, away team more than the home team if they're in a good spot because they're guaranteed to get a uh, a ninth inning at bat as opposed to the home team um isn't always guaranteed that at bat especially if they're winning are there other little things too kyle like if you do use a leadoff hitter or the number two hitter that presumably if they stay in the game that they will have that extra opportunity to get the extra at bat. Yeah, there there are little things that you can pick up on. A lot of times, it's it's really hard to quantify or project. But um, yeah, like obviously a one and a two hitter is going to have probably a higher chance to get that extra at bat than say an eight nine hitter. But um, one thing that I like to talk about when when playing tournaments is that a lot of people are going to fall into the the kind of the mold where they're going to stack two three four five or one two three four. So kind of mixing it up. You don't have to, you don't have to do it consecutively, right? You can do one, three, five, seven it might not correlate as well, but it'll be unique and contrarian. And, and if a team's going to put up a lot of runs, a lot of times everyone's going to benefit from that. And sure they might not one in seven might not correlate directly, but uh, having so, some kind of leverage and unique uniqueness in your lineup can go a long way. Well, Kyle, you keep saying the words contrarian or leverage as pertaining to the ownership that these players are going to have in large field tournaments and trying to generate that leverage by taking a lower owned player. How good are MLB ownership projections on a night to night basis? I would guess it would be pretty hard with so many players. Yeah, uh, for me, I, I like to think that mine are pretty good. We had some good success with them last year uh, in that limited season, but um, it, it can be difficult at times. Obviously, it's going to be easier to project pitcher ownership. And the thing I like to do is kind of try to project out a team's ownership, right? So you can kind of quantify, okay, the Dodgers are going to be the most, most popular stack today because they're going their, their entire team is going to be 30% of the field is going to have some sort of Dodger stack. Meanwhile, the Braves are going to have 5% of the field stacking that team in some capacity. So I actually think projecting a team, a team's batting uh, ownership is probably more projectable than an individual players at times, just because they can be very different in terms of when, when the field is trying to stack so much. But uh, a lot of times you'll see very obvious spots where, okay, we know the whole field's going to be playing Cody Bellinger. 
I would go out, go out on a limb today and say that Cody Bellinger is going to be very popular on opening day. And I think at that time, it's probably easier, easier to project the uh, higher ownership there. So David, once you have this information of ownership and who is going to be popular, how do you choose? Like, you don't always want to fade all of the popular guys, uh, obviously, because I mean, I do that in every sport and just lose because it turns out that sometimes the popular guys are pretty good for a reason, the reason that they're popular. So how do you go about that? Because I try to look at it from a few different things. And like the main DraftKings sports that I play are golf, football, and MMA, all once a week, single type of events. And like you could lose five weeks in a row and still not really know if you're doing it right. It's, it's just five random days. Like you could just, you could be running bad for five straight days. I'm not running bad. I'm just bad at it. Um, but with baseball, you have a slate every single day. You might have multiple slates every single day. So it feels like you would have a good grasp of what's working and what's not. And how does that translate over to ownership? Because I would imagine that if you're fading some of the high end chalk, the popular plays every single day, that it's going to work out some days. And other days you're going to get wiped out. I think with baseball, fading the popular chalk works more times than not. So it's not like every time that the Dodgers, we keep using the Dodgers as, as an example because they're going to be popular every day because they're the World Series champs and, the, and they're loaded, right? But it, it's not every day that they go out that they you know hit 10 runs, 12 runs. They, they get a lot of wins, but sometimes it's four or five runs and then you have the Marlins pop off and, and hit a couple home runs. The pitchers get beat down. The they're winning by five, six runs, and and then the they uh, let the bullpen come in, take their lumps. Marlins put up a lot of runs. Um, I think with baseball being such a high variant sport, that you do want to get off that chalk more than not, um, because. It's also easy to do this because, say, the Dodgers are going to be the most expensive bats in DraftKings. So you're not going to be able to get the two best pitchers. You're not going to be able to get all the Dodgers bats. So if you want to take a couple good pitchers, you can still take the one through four, one through five of another team that's going to cost you $1,000 less per player and say they have the Dodgers are expected to get one more run than them. You can still beat those Dodgers teams, even if they score more runs, which they don't do all the time. So with it being just such a high variant sport, especially on large slates with baseball, I think it's really actually important to try and fade some of that chalk and just be a little bit different. Now, the last thing I'll say about that, too, is if the Dodgers are showing up to be 30 percent owned, 35 percent owned, that means that one through four, one through five is going to be 30, 35 percent owned. You can get a little weird, go four through seven, four through eight, stack those guys, and you'd be surprised at how low owned some of those guys are at the back of the lineup on the podcast popular team of the evening. So Kyle, if you do fade, let's say the one through four in the Dodgers lineup, would you be inclined to either stack the back end, back end like David has kind of mentioned as a, as a sneaky stack that you can get through at a low ownership, or would you take potentially like one player of that stack just to have a piece or maybe one player from the one to five just to get access to the Dodgers that day. And hopefully your guys hits the rest of the guys bust. And all of a sudden you're looking great. Yeah, I think you could do, you know, a few different combinations. You can potentially just lower the stack a bit. Maybe you go two, three guys, and hopefully the, when the field's stacking four or five of them, maybe they, they score five runs instead of 11, and, you know, the two or three guys that you get right are the, are the right ones. Or you can go the lower end, back of the end guys. Or you can do something really crazy, like sometimes I find myself doing is just using the pitcher on the opposing side. Now, I don't probably recommend using, like, the pitcher for the Rockies on opening day against the Dodgers, but – for example, let's say one day randomly the Marlins are, are a popular stack and everyone wants to play the, the Marlins because they're going against maybe an unknown pitcher for whatever reason. Going against that, going against that grain, taking that leverage and then actually doubling down on it, using the pitcher against them is sometimes a cool way to do it. I know uh, in the, at the DraftKings Live Final in 2019 in Chicago, I did that in one of the more popular stacks in that that field, that slate. I used the pitcher in that and ended up working out pretty well. I finished sixth in that. So sometimes it pays off to double down on that leverage and double down on that fade by actually getting some leverage and countering it. So, David, how much does this make a difference depending on how many people are in a tournament? So if you're playing in whatever the giant tournament is on DraftKings that day with the highest guaranteed prize pool, let's say it's a giant $10, $20, whatever it might be, I would guess that ownership matters more in something like that than you know a smaller field tournament, maybe a three max, maybe a single entry, something like that. 
Uh, yeah, I would say so too. And I would say, say you're playing a tournament at the $10 tournament, the huge one, there's uh, 80,000 people in it. I, I would say it's not even as important to stack in those kind of tournaments. Um, just because the variance is so high. I mean, you want to get like a two or three man stack, but you don't have to go four and four and, and throw in a random guy. If you're trying to make money at doing this, you want to play single entry stuff. You really just want to play play cash games and, and keep doubling your bankroll if you can or doubling the amount you play. I mean, take out a calculator, put $5 in it, and then hit times two, then times two, times two, and see how quickly that money adds up. That's how you build a bankroll and that's how you make money at it. But if you're going in as a brand new player in these 150 max tournaments, just know that you're playing guys that do this all day long and play 150 lineups and they're trying to cover as many bases as they can, although you cannot cover all your bases. That's impossible. People think you can do it. You can't do it. But it's going to be very, very hard to take the top prize in one of those large tournaments as opposed to just cashing double ups, 50 50s, 100 man max or uh, three max 100 man tournaments or, or single entries. David, I'm not looking for responsible ways to build my bankroll. I'm trying to win a million bucks. What are, you, what are we doing here? Yeah, yeah me too. Me too. Uh, I, they'll, what, we might have $1 million, $2 million baseball tournaments this year. I'll, I'll take a swing at it. Is that, is that really going to be it, do you think, for baseball? In NBA, what? how many did we have, Kyle? I know we just had $1 million tournament, million up top, not million dollar prize pool. So, I, yeah, I, they don't do a lot of those. I mean, when you have the uh, the championship stuff, um, I'm not sure if it was a million to first. It might, was it a million to first, Kyle, for MLB championship, DK? Uh, it was 500 to first, I think. Yeah, 500, yep. So there are more millionaire makers in golf than there are in baseball. That blows my mind. I, I think so. Yeah. Great news. Great news for my product since I talk about golf a whole bunch. Let's take a quick break so I can tell you about Magic Spoon because you know that I've been trying to cut down on carbs and sugar and unhealthy food somewhat successfully. Not all the way successfully, by the way. But I basically realized I couldn't eat anything anymore. So protein shakes, the powders, that's not really going to get me the protein I like because I hate it so much before and after the workouts. So I just made the switch to Magic Spoon because it has all the amazing flavors that I love, but without any of the bad stuff. Zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. Only 140 calories per serving, too. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. We've got exciting news. Magic Spoon will be releasing two new amazing flavors this month, for a limited time only, we're talking about cookies and cream and maple waffle. And if that isn't the most comforting, indulgent combination, then I don't know what it is. This is the ultimate treat yourself combo. So make sure you get some while you can, because it's only on for a limited time. Or you can just build your own box. Available flavors to build your very own custom bundle are coca, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, and cinnamon. If you're listening from Canada, Magic Spoon now ships there as well. Great news for me. Uh, I highly suggest you get fruity, by the way, because it rules and it's the best. You should definitely get fruity. Don't even worry about the, the box to build on your own. Just get a whole bunch of fruity Magic Spoon. So go to magicspoon.com slash mayo to grab a new limited edition cookies and cream, maple waffle, or a custom bundle of cereal to try out today. And be sure to use our code, promo code, code mayo at checkout to save five dollars off your order this offer is good anywhere in the u.s or canada but only when you use code mayo at checkout and magic spoon is so confident in their product i can back them on that because it's back with a 100 happiness guarantee so if you don't like it for any reason they'll refund your money no questions asked remember get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash mayo and use the code mayo to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. Kyle, you really nailed this uh, between you and Javi when we did the football version of this show about how to properly select tournaments. Can you walk people through, uh, let's say they're not completely new, then let's say there's someone like me, someone who's familiar with DraftKings, but just bad at picking the tournaments that I should be playing in. Like, what tournament should I realistically be playing in? Well, unfortunately, a lot of people are, are bad at picking contests. I know I went through, a, when I first started playing DFS, I was terrible at picking contests. And part of it is because people chase those those headline prizes, right? Yep. They see 250k to first. Oh, I'm going to play that. It's a, a 50 cent entry or or a dollar 50 entry. I'm going to play this. 
I would personally try to limit yourself to playing the smallest contest possible. I don't mean necessarily entry or dollar. I mean, purely people who you're competing against. Keep it as small as possible. Obviously, you want to look for contests that appeal you, right? You want to potentially kind of set your goals. And if your goals are to chase big prizes, you'll want to uh, find contests that fit your goals. But if your goals are, are like someone like in David's example to double your money and build a bankroll, you're probably going to want to play either cash games or very small contests. So it's all about your goal, in my opinion. Like if you want to chase a live final, if you're looking to play qualifiers, you're probably not going to have the best time building a bankroll there unless you actually bank one. And those are very tough to do. Um, so you have to really kind of find those contests based on your goals. So before the season starts, kind of assess what you want to do with the season. Um, and then ap after that, once you realize it, keep it as small as possible. Obviously the, the, the less opponents you have, the more likely you're to win. I know that that sounds simple, but um, that's how I like to do it anyway. If I ever like am dealing with a spot where I decide between two different, let's say $20 contests, I'll always usually go over the, go with the one with the fewest amount of opponents because there I have the best chance to win. So what do you see when you think about this, David? Like when you enter the DraftKings lobby and maybe there's a new tournament up, like what do you look for in that? Is it the payout structure? Is it like, oh, this one's a bit more flat. Maybe it's not a you know retirement fund first prize, but if I come eighth, then I actually do win money. Yeah, so with a lot of the GPP stuff, uh, you get uh, like top 20% and then you don't even double your money. But they're top heavy, right? So if you can get in the top three, you're going to make a lot of money. This is what I do is I take out a calculator and I divide how many people are in the contest by how many people are, are paid out or vice versa. If it's not close to 20 or over 20, I'm not going to play it because that means it's going to be somewhere close to 16.5, 17%, which is going to be very hard to do to not even double your money. At that point, I might as well go over to the 50-50 or cash games and just try and double my money by beating half the people. Um, so I, I look at that a lot. I want to know the percentage of people being paid out. Now, every you know few days or so, if I see a huge prize up top and I love the slate, then if it's around 18 or 19%, I'll still play it and try and bink it, which doesn't always happen. But you have to be careful with your bankroll, man. Like uh, I've seen a lot of people lose a lot of money after big wins and it's not cool. You, you need to be responsible with it and you need to know what kind of contest you're playing and you do not need to go into it blind. I see a lot of new players do that. You don't need to do that. Well, continue to speak on that for a second, because let's say, and it doesn't even need to be a David Jones amount of money. It doesn't need to be $110,000 or something. Let's say Pat Mayo enters something, he wins $5,000. You know, my bankroll, I'm playing like 50 bucks a slate, 100 bucks a slate. Now, all of a sudden, I have $5,000 in my DraftKings account. Do I up my stakes? Do I continue to play how I do? Like, is it benefit? Like, what did you do when you won all the money? Uh, well, the uh, well, when I the first few times I won a lot of money is I would go in the next day and dump a ton of money because it's sitting there in your account and you're like, well, I, I'm God at this. I'm very good at this. I'm going to win again and again and again. And it doesn't always happen like that. It, 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 matter of fact, it hardly ever happens like that. So you learn after making some mistakes that you shouldn't have played. If I would have won five thousand dollars, I'd go dump, you know, a thousand into it, lose it next day, try and do it again and get your money back now you've lost half of your winnings you don't want to do it like that i would say if you won five thousand dollars off your 20 you know probably keep playing the 20 that's what got you there in the first place keep trying to build a bankroll if you want to take a couple stabs with 40 60 even a hundred dollars in a big contest sometime that week like i'm cool with that you've got the bankroll to do that but what you don't want to do is go play 20 percent of it the very next day because the day after that you're going to play another 20 percent Kyle, when was the first big cash that you had? Uh, three, uh, three years ago and at the NBA live final for FanDuel, um, $50,000 cash. And then after, after David mentioned it, I also turned that around and started upping my stakes and it didn't go too well. Luckily, a couple months after that had another big win. And then after that, I realized that it's more of a long game here. It's more of, uh, you can't really just continue to throw endless amounts of your bankroll in there. Cause you need to, if for me personally, at that point in time, I realized that I wanted to do it uh, for as long as I could and as like, as a, as kind of a career. So at that point I realized that the biggest part of it was bankroll management. Uh, and that's when I learned. So now when you kind of hit some of the bigger scores, all of a sudden you're not just, Oh, I, I better play the 4,044 tonight. Now max that out. Try to win that. 
Yeah, I, I've kind of set myself uh, certain rules now that, especially that I do this full time, I've set myself rules in order to ensure I'm kind of maintaining a, uh, a regular, a regularity to this kind of thing. But yeah, I don't, I try not to go too crazy and try to keep it reasonable for sure. And, I, and like David mentioned, try not to go too far from what got you there. If you found success doing certain things, don't stray away from it. Don't go too overboard. There's no, there's no sense in doing that because you you've already found a sense of comfortability. So just keep going with that. So if you are someone who wants to play GPPs, they want to try to hit a larger payday than a double up. That's just the entertainment value of what you're doing. David, would you suggest keeping to a three max entry, a a low stakes 20 max entry, or even single entry just to try to get out the people that are running computers and running 150 entries against you? Uh, I, I would that it's an easier way to do it. I mean, it's a proven easier way to do it. Like if you're playing the 150 max, there's plenty of people you can click on it, see how many people have 150 entries. There's people that do this all day, every day, and they're trying to cover all the bases that they can. Uh, you want to stick to the three max. You want to stick to single entry unless you're just having fun and you don't care about the money. Like if, if you've got plenty of money and you want to go out and take, you know, max out the 555 or the $1,500 tournament, you know, more power to you. you could bink it. But if money is an issue with you stick with like the, with the smaller stuff until you get a bankroll, because if you're any good at it, then you will win money. If you're not good at it, you're going to lose both times. So you might as well prove that you're good at it with the smaller stuff build the bankroll uh, and then come play in some of the big boy tournaments. Yeah. I, it's funny that you guys mentioned the, you know, right after the first big score that you dump some of it back. That happened to me when I, I ended up coming third in the giant $5 for golf, like two years ago, I won 20 K that day. And then, you know, the next week in golf, it was the exact same thing. Like, well, now that I'm good at this, I'll never lose again. So might as well dump in some money. So I put in like $2,000 worth of entries. I was like, what am I doing? Uh, I just went and just cashed out all the money and then made like a redeposit after the fact with, you know, I'm good with losing this much. I think I put like a thousand more back in after withdrawing the the 18,000 that was left over for me. So uh, maybe it is a live and learn type of thing. Maybe some people are better at quelling those impulses to like really, really try to press it. It's the same thing you see when people are playing blackjack. Like, oh, I've won five hands in a row. Well, I'm just gonna put all my money on the table. I'm riding a heater. Like it doesn't ever work out that way. That's how they end up beating you. That's how your competition on DraftKings is going to beat you. And if you're into table games at a casino, that's how they're going to take you as well. So before we get to the tools, I just want to kind of rapid fire finally through this. Uh, David, any other tips or tricks you can think of or mistakes that people potentially make uh, that they're not even aware of? Uh, One of the biggest things that I pay attention to probably more so than others. And Kyle can attest to that is the weather. If it's a hot day, the ball is going to fly further. If the wind's blowing in at 20 miles per hour over the home plate, it's going to be harder for the batter to hit the ball out of the park. Uh, A lot of little tips and tricks with weather stuff like that. We talk about over at FTN, but the wind, uh, the rain and the heat are, are three big ones. Kyle, do you have anything that you see just people be like, man, you should not be doing that? Well, well, first I want to tell a story about David because I can personally testify that he is a weatherman. One time there's a there's a Braves game going on, a little bit of rain. He sent me a picture or a video actually of him jumping around in a puddle in flip-flops saying, yeah, we got some rain here. Be careful on that. So that was just a funny story about David that I wanted to share. But one thing that I like to say for baseball is that um, I actually have this complete opposite opinion for sports like NBA and even NFL. But uh, for baseball, it's completely different. I would actually recommend doing as many lineups as you can for example, say you're playing 20 bucks on that given slate and you're deciding between playing four $5 contests or 120, I would actually lean to the four because there's going to be a lot of times where variance strikes and being able to take advantage of variance up and down different slates is important, especially for MLB. So uh, I would recommend doing as many lineups, giving your chance, giving yourself as many chances as possible to capitalize on different uh, variance, uh, I guess, outcomes that can happen and really make a slate up and down. All right, Kyle, I think it's time to show off the the coup de grace, the prize piece of the FTNDaily.com. Code Mayo for 20% off, by the way. The optimizer over at FTNDaily.com for the baseball season. Do you want to get that loaded up for us? Yep, let's do it. All right, Kyle, what am I looking at here? Yeah, so this is our brand new uh, FTN optimizer. We're starting off keeping it available for MLB to start. Uh, We've had a lot of hardworking people behind the scenes getting this done. 
getting it ready for opening day for MLB. So it's going to be ready for MLB only at first, and then we will gradually bring in other sports. But this is the main page for the FTN Optimizer. Uh, one of the things that we started off with the idea of doing this is we all have, we have our cheat sheets that we upload our exposures in place to every single day. Those are actually going to be integrated directly into uh, the optimizer. So you can click on David's name here. Say, you know, you don't want to see anybody else's plays. You can click off of theirs. Find only David's plays by looking at these little uh, icons down here that will pop up next to their name. So we see an S here. That is for Javi. So Javi likes Aaron Nola, for example, on opening day. These aren't accurate as of now. The, project, the projections aren't accurate. But just for an example, that's a really cool feature because eventually we'll get into it a bit later. But you can actually apply the different cheat sheet exposures directly into your optimizer build. So one of the coolest things about this optimizer is that it's not running off of just projections, which in my opinion is crucial for MLB because we all know that I can sit here and work on projections all day. And I love to do that, but MLB projections are not going to be accurate most of the time because of how very how up and down the sport really is and all the variants that we do have. So uh, you can build in certain aspects to, uh, you know, weather, different kinds of uh, numbers. Like if you think the ownership is going to be too high, you can work those directly into the, the builds directly. So that's one of my favorite parts about this optimizer. Um, so starting at the main page here, we'll obviously have the name, the, the projections built in directly. Those will be my projections each and every day, draft percentage, the ownership projections, those will be built in every single day as well um, for myself. And then we're also going to have my player rater directly inputted into the optimizer, which you can also uh, input that into your builds as well. So, say you want to limit your builds to somebody, if they don't have a 70 or better player rater on the day, you can completely get rid of all of those guys out of your out of your build. So that is a cool thing as well. And then we have the point per dollar, which can you know dictate some good value plays. You can set min and max exposures to kind of give your builds your own unique touch. Say you want um, 20% Trevor Bauer, you can punch those in. Or if you want uh, only a certain amount of Trevor Bauer, say we only want 50%, punch that in right there and that will update automatically. So if I wanted to build a whole bunch of lineups, let's say I wanted to build 20 lineups for opening day, how would I go about doing that? Yeah, so it's all going to start with, um, for me, for baseball specifically, I always start with the stacks when I'm looking to uh, mass multi-enter or, mul or enter in multiple different contests at once um, or different entries at once, I should say. So for me, I've, after when you're at this screen, typically your research or your kind of idea of what you want to do with the slate, you already have a good idea of that. So obviously you're going to want to start with the site that you're playing on. In this case, it's going to be DraftKings, um, different settings such as salary. Typically for baseball, you're going to want to use as much salary as possible, but um, potentially there are times where you want to maybe leave some on the board. So we'll do that for this for this example. Um, we're going to select GPPs because I typically like to play GPPs, and then we're going to save those here. So now we're looking to build a DraftKings lineup. So you got all those uh, in there when you do the DFS site. So now you go over to construction. We're going to take a look at some of these preferences here. Um, we mentioned stacking is very crucial. Um, typically, I want to stack as much as possible. So if I'm looking to build a team, uh, build a lineup with stacks, we'll get to that when we talk about stacks here. But let's say we look at the top, you know, let's say a pitcher that we just don't want to mess with is on the slate. For example, Chris Sale against Boston. We don't want to mess with Chris Sale. Um, so we're going to go zero Baltimore Orioles. We know we don't want him. Maybe we're going to have a lot of Chris Sale exposure. You can do that. You can uh, add in different types of settings in order to kind of customize the builds to where you want. Um, we have the position preferences where you can actually, I've actually never seen a setting like this in any optimizer, but you can actually allocate your, your salary to certain positions. So for baseball, we all know sometimes catchers suck at hitting. So we, maybe we want to allocate less salary for catchers there. We can adjust that. Um, and you can do lots of different things within the different positions. Build preferences. This is where we get to the kind of the, the good stuff in terms of what you want your build to kind of work off of what's going to be on the back end. So the FTM picks, I mentioned that that's going to be our cheat sheet picks, David, myself, Javi, Chris Rose, a bunch of other guys putting in our picks and you can kind of factor in your picks that way. So say you really like our picks hundred percent. You can do that if you wanted to. Um, I would recommend not going too low because I think our picks are very good. Uh, and then if you're a big weather guy like David, bump up that weather there. Let's say we bump it up to 70% uh, and then you can make different changes throughout there. Say, you're like me, maybe projections aren't too important for baseball. You want to keep it around 35%. You can do different things like that. And then the biggest thing is stacks, right? We get to the team stacks and you want to say we, we're big fans of the Dodgers. We kind of mentioned them, but we'll go with the Red Sox for this one, for example, for our example here. You can actually set a minimum exposure within your stacks. So say you really like the Red Sox, you want to make sure we have 25% of those stacks within 
our builds. Uh, and then you can actually update the size. I mentioned I want to stack as much as possible. So say Boston is one of my favorite stacks of the day. I would set this to either four or five. That would be my recommended number. Uh, and then you can actually go one step further. You can add which positions you want involved in that stack. So say you know that the catcher is someone that you don't really want in your stack. You can leave that out. You can say first base, second base, outfield. We want to get JD Martinez in there, shortstop. We can do different ways, different ways to kind of make your stacks more unique to what you want. Um, you can also stack based on the player. So if you obviously the pitchers don't really matter, we're working to get these removed from there. So the, that way it's just the hitters, but we want Rafael Devers in 25% of those stacks. We want Bogarts in 25% of those stacks. We set it that way. Um, and then we go down here, we hit save. Um, and then we go back to the main lineup here and then we're just going to hit generate. So say you said we wanted 20 lineups. Is that what you said? Yeah. So we hit 20 lineups up here and then generate 20. And again, these aren't working off of real projections yet. I don't have the real projections loaded in. So they're going off of average fantasy points, but then your 20 lineups will be ran and generated. All right, cool. And then once the lineups actually end up generating, I can just download the file and upload them to DraftKings. Yep. So then you'll hit download sheet. So we're actually in dev mode still. So it's a bit slower than it will be on opening day. But once that 20 is ran, you hit download sheet, copy and paste it into your DraftKings CSV. And then, yeah, you upload it right into DraftKings. Uh, David, uh, how often do you use an optimizer uh, when you go through in baseball or even any other sport? Or are you more of a hand builder? Uh, I use optimizer uh, every day for, for every sport. Um, especially, you know, those 150 max tournaments. If I'm just making one team, I'll do it by hand. Um, but what you saw Kyle do there was go through a series of rules and really think through how he wants to play his teams that day. A lot of people have a misconception that when you buy an optimizer, all you do is go in, hit generate for one team. It's going to give you the highest scoring projected team of the day. That's the team that you play. And that's how you get first place in all these tournaments. That's really not the case. You do have to put some brain power behind it. You do have to think about what you're doing and you do have to learn how to use the tool. And if you're serious about trying to make money at it, you will go through, you will learn how to use the tool and you won't get mad when you hit generate and one lineup pulls out and you don't win a hundred thousand dollars. Well, you guys are doing a show every single day about the optimizer, aren't you? Yeah. So we're actually going to start our, our, it's like a midday show. It's going to start around one Eastern time. That's going to launch on the 1st of May. So once we get the, the MLB schedule a bit more solidified, we're going to be starting that up on the, on the 1st of May, about an hour long show, me or David, or sometimes both of us running through the optimizer, looking at kind of either the slate ahead of us or the slate that maybe we just got finished uh, kind of reviewing last night, the previous night, and kind of going over how we use the optimizer to build lineups either on a previous slate or how we're going to use it to build lineups on a future slate. All right, so now the, the lineups have almost generated for us. 19, there we go. So now what are we looking at after the lineups have actually generated? Yeah, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt when there's no real projections. So we only have three lineups, obviously no real projections to go off of. But once we actually get the lineups finalized, you'll see some stacks here. The lineups like some of these random Padres based on their um, average fantasy points per game. But after these are built, you can either hit download sheet or maybe you can realize that there's some work that you still want to do. Maybe we want to change one of the pitchers here. We can replace them. Um, you can either search for additional pitchers or it'll give you three pitchers within the same projection or within that same uh, salary that you can quickly swap out of. Um, and then you can do the same thing for hitters, et cetera, and make changes that way. Uh, so David, beyond the optimizer, when we're talking about ftndaily.com's tools, code Mayo, once again, for that 20% off, uh, what other stuff do you generally just like to look at outside? Uh, I mean, you're contributing content, so you can go and look at your picks if we want to. But if you're just trying to go through everything, like what stuff that you find um, that you know Kyle can go look up for you right now that he would want that you would want to actually know before making your picks that day? Uh, there, there sure is a lot with baseball. We have, we have a great uh, stack targets tool that's going to, to look at what team is going against which pitcher, and then tell you like stuff like what's the hard contact look like, what's the soft contact, how many home runs per fly balls are they hitting, how many ground balls are they hitting, is this team 
that might you know have a great name like the Dodgers are they actually facing a ground ball pitcher there's stuff like that you want to know because I we're, we're I'm home run hunting here we're trying to get a lot of runs on the board so if you have a team that's going to be popular going up against a, a pitcher that's not giving up a lot of home runs a lot of people quite frankly aren't going to know that because quite frankly a lot of people don't know baseball pitchers so go over to our uh, stack targets tool on FTN daily and I think that's one of the most helpful tools that you can look at at before you go over to the optimizer and start building your teams that's going to help you know which teams that you want to target and which pitchers you want to target which teams and pitchers you want to avoid uh kyle go back to that previous screen where it lists all of the tools available and just kind of talk us through uh what we can expect from a lot of this stuff yeah so you mentioned vegas and how important they can be to dfs in general and how we can use them to potentially find good spots uh whether it be okay this pitcher is favored so vegas is expecting him to win and obviously that provides us more fantasy points you can use our live lines tool that will update spreads and totals automatically um you can use the player prop shop i really like to use player props for strikeout props you can identify where Vegas is maybe saying, okay, Jacob DeGrom has an eight and a half strikeout prop. That's a really high number. If he is even able to get over that, it's probably going to be one of the better pitchers on the slate. So you can use the prop shop to do that. Do you want to get into the betting side of things and you want to use some parlays here on the MLB side, you can use the parlay calculator. We have the live lineups. That is actually going to be integrated live into our optimizer by the time opening day rolls around. It hasn't been updated yet because we are still in dev mode, like I mentioned. But by the time opening day gets here, the lineups are going to be built into the optimizer automatically. So you won't have to be constantly flipping back and forth between uh, tabs or sites or anything like that. You're going to have all the lineups built into the optimizer directly. Our cheat sheets we mentioned, all of our exposures and our favorite plays are uh, put into that. The optimizer, the batted ball report, which is going to, it's actually one of my favorite things. So I'll open it up. Um, we have the World Series, the, the final game of the World Series up right now. So we don't have all the teams yet, but a great way to identify someone who is going to potentially be a good source of a home run. Like David mentioned, we like to home run hunt. We like guys who are going to get the ball in the air. We don't like ground balls. That, that typically doesn't lead to home runs. It's very difficult to hit a ground ball for a home run. Um, and then a lot of hard contact. Hard contact is very good. So the batted ball report is one of my favorite things that we have here. Uh, and then going back to that screen, I believe we have the umpire report, which kind of dictates which umpires are potentially more favorable to pitchers or hitters. And that way you can kind of get an idea of maybe a good spot for a pitcher. You have a pitcher who, okay, maybe he's not in the most ideal scenario, but he has a really good umpire spot. Maybe he can get a, a few breaks on the corners for umpires and maybe get an extra, a few extra start, uh, strike calls. We talked about the stack targets, the hot hitters report. This will kind of show how guys have been doing within the last seven, last 14 and last 30 days. And it generates a number based on WRC plus, which a lot of people reference as the key indicator to how good a hitter truly is. You know, there are crucial stats like war and batting average and ISO, but a lot of people actually believe WRC plus shows which, uh, which, which hitters are the best. We have the bullpen usage, which me and David were actually talking about this one earlier. Some unique, unique ways to use this are, let's say we want to use someone from the Arizona Diamondbacks. Let's say we want to use Zach Gallon today. He might have to run out there for a couple extra innings because the bullpen's just been getting absolutely torn apart. They've, pitched 37 innings in the last seven days. So maybe he has to go out there an extra, uh, an extra few innings, or maybe on the, on the reverse end of things, we want to stack against Arizona. Cause if you get to the bullpen, their bullpen has been in rough shape lately. So you can use the MLB stats there. And then we have the general stats for hitters and pitchers. If you want to kind of get an idea of the entire slate overview, you can search players within this stats tool here, which is on its way up. So David, if you're doing your research for the day, you don't really need to go anywhere else. Uh, no, we try to have it all in one place so you don't have to go anywhere else. I mean, that's the whole idea behind FTN. Uh, One-stop shop for everything you need for DFS in every sport. All right. Well, I think that will do it for us here today on the MLB show. Thank you all for watching. Once again, hit the description and you can find the link to ftndaily.com. Use code Mayo to get yourself 20% off. That's a $50 savings off the entire years worth of baseball so you take it down from 249 to 199 and that includes the optimizer and all of the tools that you've seen today so i highly recommend you go check that out fdndaily.com slash mayo also down there in the description uh, is the email sign up it takes you five seconds to do and then all of a sudden uh you're in a draw for a hundred bucks so you might as well just go try that out as well um what else do we got oh yeah david's gonna be on fantasy baseball picks and bets on mayo media networks so subscribe to the network and the 
audio podcasts that are down there as well, if you prefer to listen to this in audio form. David, I'm fired up to have you on. We actually have a really cool crew on that show, and I think it's going to be somewhat unique uh, in this space where it's not going to be you know two guys talking for an hour and a half. It's going to be one person telling you what you need to know for the day. I think people are going to appreciate that. Yeah, man, I'm in. I'm excited to do the first episode next week. I guess we've got a week until until baseball is here. Finally, it's been a, a long wait with the pandemic and everything. It's finally here. Full season. Let's go. Uh, and Kyle, you Kyle and David, you can check out up on FTNDaily.com. They will be doing the optimizer show either together or trading it off. But you're going to be in the discord chat. You're going to be doing the ownership projections. You're a busy man this time of year. Yeah, they like to keep you busy, but that's how I like it, uh, especially when multiple sports going on. But baseball is my favorite sport, so I'm, I'm ready to take it on You know, full steam ahead. Perfect. That will do it on the Pat Mayo Experience. You can follow me at the PME on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like I mentioned, subscribe to Mayo Media Network. Smash the like. And once again, people, ftndaily.com, code Mayo, to get that 20% discount. It ends on April 4th, then it's back to 10%. Still a discount with code Mayo. So go sign up right now, all right? Good luck if you're jumping into baseball, if you're a seasoned MLB vet. Just win some cash this year, all right? I'll see you next time. Experience! Experience!